Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Package Tourist, hosted by yours truly, The Package Tourist, and the magical mystery tour called Life, Matthew DBS. Tonight's guest is author, counselor, and trainer, Evelyn Lighty, who has had over 35 years of experience in the treatment of addictions and mental health fields. She has achieved acclaim and recognition for her seminars in multicultural counseling and education. She has designed and implemented multiple therapeutic programs to combat chemical dependency, domestic abuse, sexual and spiritual abuse. She has written eight books, including her most recent works, The Blood, Sex and Tears Trilogy. In 2008, she was inducted into the South Dakota Hall of Fame for her humanitarian work. Evelyn, please welcome to the show. It's an honor and privilege to have you. Please tell our listeners about your recent publications, the Blood, Sex and Tears Trilogy books you released. What are they about? Well, thank you so much, Matthew. It's such a joy to talk to you. These particular books are about my growing up in an alcoholic home because there's a lot of people who have gone through the same things I have gone through. They don't necessarily have a name for it and they don't want to talk about it for fear people will judge them or look down on them. So my purpose is to share, first of all, some history about what it was like growing up in the 40s on a farm in South Dakota with no electricity, no indoor bathroom, no running water, but also the particular joys of being free on the farm. And then to share how the disease of my father's alcoholism progressed over the years. And then the next book is about my own alcoholism when I was a teenager and I went down the wrong path. The third one is about marrying an alcoholic man who turned out to be a batterer. And I'm currently working on the fourth one. Oh, so it's going to be it's, it's going to be a quartet then, correct? Correct. Um, what? Was it, was it just your father who was drinking or was it your mother as well? No, my mother did not drink. Okay. How, what, what was it, when looking back at the situation, what led him, what do you think led him to drink? I mean, was it, was his own father an alcoholic too? I mean, I know alcoholism can be a genetic trait. Was that the case? I did not know my grandfather. He died the year I was born. My father never said anything negative about him, nor did my mother. Mm. But alcoholism is a genetic disease. And one of the things about alcoholism is you get caught up in it before you actually realize what is happening. Mm. And by the time you realize, of course, in my father's day, uh, people didn't really admit to alcoholism. I mean, if you work, you own property and you're raising a family, people didn't point fingers at you. Because the idea of an alcoholic was somebody in the gutter with a brown paper bag and that was not my father. And, and also back then there wasn't really that stigma that there is now. I mean, it was sort of seen like a macho thing, wasn't it, drinking? It was a macho thing, it was expected. Everybody did it, and no one pointed fingers. I mean, they may have pointed fingers and laughed behind 
his back. I don't know that because I was a child. But there was no treatment centers. Mm. There was AAs, but there was no treatment centers. Yeah. How old were, Evelyn, how old were you when you took your own first drink? 17. Oh, my. What led you to take that first drink? Well, when I was 12 years old and I was in the Hellfire Brimstone Methodist Church, I signed, I did a confirmation study and I signed the paper saying I would never drink or smoke. But all my friends did and I held out till 17. But just one night I took a drink and that was it. I, I totally believe I was alcoholic from the very first drink mm -hmm. because it did amazing things to me. Took care of all my self-consciousness. I no longer felt ugly. I was on top of the world and I loved that feeling. Mm. So in a sense, it created an illusion for you that you sought refuge in. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yes. When did you find, when did you came to the realization you were an alcoholic and you sought recovery, you went into recovery? How long, how long were you, how long were you an alcoholic before you finally got treatment? Well, for one thing, I wasn't a daily drinker. I was what you call a binge drinker. Hmm. So I could go on a binge and then go for weeks or months without going on another one. So I had a family and I had a really good job. But then, um, as God would have it or fate would have it, whatever you want to say, I took a job as education director for the Division of Alcoholism for the South Dakota, for the state of South Dakota. Mm. And my job was to travel around the state and do workshops for ministers, teaching them what to look for in their parishioners as far as alcoholism is concerned. And I call ahead and, and set up these meetings with the local AA clubs, and they would send a panel of people over to share to the ministers what it felt like to be an alcoholic. And in the process of my listening to them, I was horrified by the realization that they were telling my story. Wow. And, you know, it, it isn't how much you drink or how often you drink that determines if you're alcoholic. It's what it does to you when you drink it. Mm. Evelyn, since you deal, since you have been treating people with addictions for over 35 years of all, when they t tell you what led them to drink, what is in your opinion, the leading cause behind all drug and alcoholic addiction? Is there one paramount cause above all others that you keep hearing over and over again? Well, first of all, I never asked that question. Oh. Because it doesn't matter mm. how you got there. Mm. What matters is what you're going to do about it now that you are there. <clears throat> but usually, a lot of the people I deal with come from really dysfunctional families mm. and their families drink. And many of the people I deal with were drinking at the age of six, seven, eight. Jeez. When, when you're dealing, what, 
how do you sustain and maintain sobriety? Getting back to yourself, what help? What sustains you in maintaining your state of sobriety, Evelyn? Well, there are a number of things. Um, I go to AA. I've been sober now for forty-two years. I still go to AA, not weekly, but fairly often. But in the in the beginning, I had children. Hmm. And I desperately did not want my children to grow up the way I did. Mm. So I really wanted, I wanted to lead a quality life and be sober for them. And I, then as I started working in the field, I wanted to stay sober for my clients because I knew if I fell off the wagon, I'd take about eight or 10 people with me. Mm. I didn't want to do that. So, you know, it's really not an easy thing, or it wasn't easy for me, but it's a matter of having a purpose in life. So in a sense, it's not just saving yourself. It's also, you know, the fact, uh, you know, it's saving others. Simply by saving yourself, you can save others as well? Correct, yes. When you're doing group and family therapy sessions, what what is your personal secret for doing successful group and therapies, uh, group and fa uh, family therapy sessions? So, I mean, how do you deal with resolving conflicts within a group or family setting? Well, I was trained by an expert called Virginia Satir. She no longer is living, but she was one of the very first persons to develop family systems therapy. Mm. And and the therapy she developed talks about the family being a a system of individuals that fit together. Mm. And if one of the individuals is dysfunctional, all the rest of themselves will fit themselves around that. Mm. And um, so it's really important to look at the family dynamics what they are, how to get yourself to a good place where each person can feel confident and happy in the family. <coughs> Use my cough. It's okay. When you're dealing with, when dealing with abusive relationships, how much is the quest for personal power over others the main motivating force behind all any and all forms of abuse, Evelyn? I think it's a power struggle for the most part. Yeah. But, but also, abusers are people who have very, very low self-esteem. Mm. And they are, many of them are suffering from PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress syndrome, from childhood. They witnessed abuse in their childhood, and maybe they were even the target of it. And it's a way of life for abusers that must be overcome in order for the family to progress and move forward. Is it, I mean, do you believe, I, I, I remember I got, I re, re, one reason why I asked that question, it's, I remember hearing something was at the late Carl Jung, who said, if a relationship is based on power, then there's no room for love. But if it's based on love, then there's no need for power. I mean, do you subscribe to that theory yourself? Absolutely. I'm a real follower of Carl Jung. He gave us a lot of good nuggets. 
Besides him, what other famed counselors have inspired you and kind of influenced your own methods of of counseling and and, and personal training and all that? Any other individuals? Well, there was Virginia Tatir, whom I've already mentioned. Yep. One One of my personal counselors from my area was a very close friend of Virginia's and studied with her, and she helped me tremendously. There was uh, Father Martin, who is no longer with us, but he was a priest who was a guru in the field of alcoholism, and his approach was very different from others in that he, he teaches that alcoholism is a disease, and he shows how it affects the brain, and he also shows that it doesn't do any good to get mad at them or yell at them or make them feel worse about themselves than they already do because none of that's going to help. So I really looked up to him. For the past 22 years, America has gone through two prolonged bloody wars, an economic depression, a global pandemic, and the ever-growing threat of domestic terrorism and gun violence in all parts of America. As a counselor and personal trainer, what tools do you use to combat these enormous assaults on the collective psyches and a collective peace of mind of all Americans? Well, particularly with my clients, we start where they are. Wherever they are when they come to me, that is where we start. Some of them have um, a lot of ability and some of them are just kind of fresh out of the problem. So. The other thing is I have been very, very fortunate to learn a therapy system called EMDR. That's eye movement desensitization reprocessing that was developed by a Dr. Shapiro. And what that does is it reduces trauma in a very short time so that people who suffer from PTSD for years and years can actually, if they meet it head on with with EMDR, can actually get over it in a matter of weeks or months. So I use that a lot. I also just use um, love and education in terms of whoever you are, that's where we start. Can you elaborate on EMDR? I mean, uh, what exactly is entailed? I mean, what type... What does the patient do when they're doing EMDR, Evelyn? Well, it is very difficult to describe how it actually works. What what I, as a therapist, do is I guide my client into going into their worst fears or their worst thoughts, and a lot of times their worst thoughts might be I'm no good, nobody likes me, Um, all those negative things. I can guide them through those thoughts and and go with them to where that thought originated, and sometimes it actually originated at the age of two years old. I can guide them through any battering that they have experienced or physical abuse, and a lot of times when we're doing that, their uh, bruises will pop out on their skin, 
where they were abused as children. And, and so it's really hard to um, explain how this happened. It does happen, and it is incredibly healing. Evelyn, please tell our listeners about one of your other books, Women, What Do We Want? Tell us about that book, especially in this day and age where the American woman is, you know, uh, there's uh, like they're struggling, you know, trying to break through the glass ceiling and, and various other issues. Can you tell us about that book? Yes, this book was written for my women clients and of which majority of my clients are women. They, a lot of women have not grown up in homes where they have known respect mm. or dignity and they have known men who have mistreated them or sexually abused them. And so the, the, this book is in three parts. The first part is to teach a woman she has value and worth and how to find it. Mm. The second part is for men on how to treat a woman. And the third part are women's stories where I've interviewed women and written down their stories. Mm. And in this particular, um, the third part, there's one story that's absolutely my favorite. I spent months with a homeless woman interviewing her for this book and really trying to get into the trenches with her to figure out what it felt like to be homeless. And she did a great job of sharing with me. So that is my favorite story in that section. Evelyn, with the leaking of the Supreme Court draft opinion, which suggests that Roe v. Wade might be overturned, what is your personal sense of where the American woman and by extension, the young American girl is going to? Do you believe that the American woman is moving forward or is she forcibly, or are American women being forcibly pushed backward? What is your sense of that as a counselor and, and trainer? The women that I work with are trying really hard to survive. Mm. So our whole work is usually about survival, self-esteem, where do I go to get it? How do I feel good about myself? Um, I have worked with women who have had abortions and helped them deal with the feelings they had about that or have about that. I have also um, worked with men who have been with women who had abortions and had a lot of feelings about that that they needed to deal with. I don't know if I'm answering your question. No, you're doing fine, Evelyn. You're doing fine. You know, I know it's, I know it's a very emotional subject, but it's not just abortion. It's just, um, you know, you know, try, you know, trying to break through, trying to find, you know, seeking equalization, empowerment, you know, in, in a society. And there seems to be this backlash, you know, the prevention of equalization or empowerment or any of that nature. And I was just wondering, what did you get your sense of, you know, of that, of that aspect of it? Ellen, whenever I interview an author, I always ask the standard question because I'm always fascinated by how they answer it. When you were growing up, who were your favorite authors? And of those favorite authors, did any of them inspire you to become a writer or perhaps influence your own personal writing style? Well, 
There were several, but the only one I can remember at this point is Jane Grey. My mother had books, lots and lots of books. She was very educated. And I was fairly sickly as a child, so I read a lot. Mm. And um, I got a lot of my ideas from these books. Mm -hmm. I think I, um, when I was in high school, I tried to write poetry and things for my English teacher. And one day she said to me, well, Ellen, there's one thing about it. You'll never be a writer. So I didn't even try until I went to work for the division of alcoholism for the state of South Dakota. And people were questioning me about alcoholism and what does it feel like to grow up in a home like that? What does it feel like to be married to a, at batterer and how do I know what's going on? And so I sat down and wrote to be somebody. That was my very first book. And the whole purpose of that book was to enlighten um, actually professionals. Mm. So they would understand what we as women go through when we face this kind of thing. When mm. I was being battered, it was in the 60s. And everywhere I went for help, they just told me, what are you doing wrong? What, it, you know, what are you doing to make him hit you? What are you doing to make this a pro to cause this problem? Jeez. Because professionals didn't understand that, that it wasn't caused by me or any other woman who's being hit or battered or abused. It's caused because the person wants to have power over you and control you and make you be who they want you to be. Mm. Evelyn, please tell our re listeners, where can readers find your books? All of my books are on Amazon or I have a website where they can, it's www.evelynlighty.com. There, those books are sold at that website, or I will send a personally autographed one to anyone who, uh, who asks. Quick question, are they conventionally published or are they self-published, Evelyn? To be somebody was conventionally published. Yeah. Several of my self-help books were conventionally published, but the last three I published. Okay. Don't let, I mean, uh, I've, I've self-published too. I mean, my last two books were self-published as well. So it's, it's, a, it's a growing industry when you think about it. And actually, it's far more convenient when you think about it, you know, controlling your own content, your own timing and subject matter and all that. Now, you said you're working on your fourth book in the Blood, Sex and Tears a, a series. When can we re expect the release of uh, volume four? I am hoping to... Um have it out by Christmas. Evelyn, when it comes out, I'd love to have you on my show again and we can talk all about it. I'd love that. Oh, I would love that too. One last question. Are you content with your with your contributions to the field of counseling? Do you feel you contribute as much as you can or do you feel you still have worlds to conquer? I still have worlds to conquer. I 
still, well, exactly tomorrow, I'm going to an all-day workshop in the new happenings in addiction so I can stay on top of what is going on in the field. Mm. And I will be there from 8 to 5. And I, I, if there's anything that I can learn, I want to learn it. Mm. Evelyn, I want to wish you the best of luck in all your endeavors. And I think uh, on behalf of my listeners, I think we all you owe a debt of gratitude that you're trying to, you've been saving lives, you've been saving families, you know, you're repairing lives. And that, that is a truly wondrous thing. And we wish you the best, all the best in the world. And we wish you continued success. Matthew, I thank you so much. It's a real honor to talk with you. Thank you. I deeply appreciate that, Evelyn. That means a great deal to me. And um, as a kind of a survivor of abuse myself, you know, I take comfort, you know, with what you're sharing with the world here. And um, I hope you can continue to heal others. Okay. I hope so too. And thank you. May God bless and keep you always. And hey, be safe. I will. And you too. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for Thursday's show where I will be interviewing hockey author George Grimm. Thank you and good night.